What's so funny? <laughs> hey, real quick, we got some uh, Philadelphia testimonies, some awesome stuff that the Lord did uh, in Philly this past week. Here's what we ask. Um, I know that some of you guys are really, you know, buzzing on caffeine and stuff, but I really want you to give your attention to uh, these people that are going to be sharing because they've got some uh, pretty extraordinary things about what Jesus did last week in their, uh, in their lives. So here's the order they're going to go in. Uh, we've got um, four people actually giving their testimonies, uh, sharing what God did in their life last week up in uh, the inner city of Philadelphia. One, the first one's Jeremy Way. Um, the second one is Kate Leak. The third one is Anna Bigno. And the fourth one is John Chappelle, actually one of our leaders. So he's going to come up uh, at the end. So you guys just come on up in that order. I'll leave the mic right here. Turn it on first. Check, check, check. We good? All right, bro. Give it up for Jeremy Way. Hey, guys. What's up? So um, I'm Jeremy. Hi, guys. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm here to talk to you all about Philly. And so um, I think one of the, like, the main things that really hit me, it wasn't really like a big defining moment where I talked to this guy and he broke down and cried and, you know, like, you know, pulled on my shorts or anything like that. It was really like things just really got put into perspective for me. Um, and the thing that really did that, I'll tell you about it. Uh, it was on Wednesday. It was our second full day of ministry. And... We were about to go out, me and Alyssa Norris and Jesse and Katie Kelly. We're about to go out and hand out some flyers for VBS. And this kid rolled up on his bike. And I'm like, hey, kid. And he was like, he, he was talking to this guy named Josh. Josh was uh, one of the guys that worked at the Salvation Army where we were staying. And uh, he's like, hey, Josh, I need someone to pray. I'm like, cool. Let's pray. That's legit. And, um, and so, and then Josh was like, I don't think I have a place for you right now, buddy, but how about you go with them and help them hand out flyers? And so Josh went on with us, riding his bike, just helping hand out his flyers. And um, I just talked to him for like 10 or 15 minutes. And then he left, and he just rode off his bike. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll never see him again. He's just, you know, a kid that came in my life. But I didn't realize that God was doing like a really major thing in my heart when he entered my life. And, um, okay, so fast forward a couple of days, Friday. Um, we're doing VBS, and then Anson, like, when all the kids left, Anson came up to all of us. He's like, hey, guys, I want to tell you about something. It's not too great of a story. I'm like, oh, geez, what happened? And, um, and so he said that John was upstairs uh, in, the, in the Salvation Army where we were staying, and he looked down onto the, uh, the parking lot where all the vans were. He said he saw a kid looking into, looking into this uh, the side window of one of the vans, and so John was like, that's weird, and so he kind of stayed there and kept looking at him, and then the kid went around to the driver's side door, opened the door, and got in the car, um, so John ran down there, and John's probably going to tell you all about this later, I don't know if he is or not, but so he ran down there, and he, you know, he didn't, the guy didn't, the kid didn't hear him until he got to the, the side where the kid was, and so he was like, hey man, what are you doing, so the kid like ran out of the car, had money in his hand, John took the money out of his hand, the kid turned around and, like, punched him in the face a couple times, like, bit his arm, all this stuff, and then he left. And, well, I mean, he didn't leave, but, I mean, he, the police came and picked him up. And um, this was the same kid that I met on Wednesday. And, I mean, when I heard that, I was really heartbroken. I was like, this 13-year-old kid, his name is Dominic, um, he's facing his first felon at the age of 13. 
Uh, his, most of his teenage years are probably gone. Um, he has no respect for anyone. He has no respect for himself. He had no respect for John because he punched him in the face. Um, he, he had no sense of responsibility. When someone asked him why he did it, he said, um, that kid told me to do it, and so I did it. And it's not my fault because he told me to do it. So he had no sense of responsibility. And so I, it's going to sound really cheesy, but, I mean, what, I, what I'm really bringing to the table here is we have so much compared to the 13-year-old kid, Dominic, that lives in Philly and was probably brought up to, to you know, to be taught that it's okay to steal or it's okay to disrespect your elders. And I know that sounds really stupid, but, I mean, that's really true. We have, we have so much. I mean, we, we whine about having our text message sent five seconds too late, you know, or being sit, sit in traffic for like a minute. But this kid, I mean, I mean, his life is being taken away from him. And um, one, one thing that I, I want to ask you guys, I don't know, I mean, I know a bunch of you guys pray, but I would really encourage you guys to pray for Dominic. And that, um, yeah, I mean, there's this verse, and it's Psalm 103, I think it's verse 5. And it says that it'll, he'll redeem us from the pit. And so I pray that you guys would, would that just remember that when you're praying. And that if the name Dominic ever floats through your head, that, I don't know, that you would, you would pray for him and that you would just, rem- you know, just remember him. I know I didn't really leave you with anything happy or anything like that, but uh, that's my story. So there you go. Hi, guys. Um, I'm Kate, and um, I went to Philly. <laughs> and um, I went to Philly this year also, and, um, you know, and uh, I think it was also a Wednesday. We had um, like a coffee house thing, and um, I was talking to this uh, one lady with my friend Taylor. We went up to her, and she looked like she had company. She had some guys sitting with her, so, but we decided to go up to her anyways. And, you know, we went up and we started talking to her, and the two guys left. And I wrote this on the day just so I could like remember her and everything, because she made a huge impression on us. Uh, her name was Lorraine. She was in her mid-40s. She had green eyes, red hair, worn skin, and worry lines. She dealt with a meth addiction, and she had lost her baby at six months pregnant. She had to deliver it as a stillborn and move on. She didn't relapse after that, but she went into depression. She was close with her mom, but her sister in New Jersey wouldn't talk to them. She had a 20-year-old daughter, and she wouldn't speak to her, and a 25-year-old son who talks to her on occasion. Um, When her father died and her mother Uh, Her mother and Lorraine tried to attend the funeral. Her sister called the police, and her mother wasn't allowed to see him. Uh, She wasn't allowed to see her ex-husband, who had been reproposing to her for the past two years. They were still in love. However, Lorraine got to see her father's corpse for three minutes, and he was her best friend. After, like, hearing her talk to me and Taylor, it was just like my heart was broken for her. And... You know, we prayed over her and everything, and, you know, she started crying, and we hugged her for a while, and, you know, it was pretty emotional, girls, like, (laughs) but, um, so, yeah, after that, that was um, pretty much the biggest thing that had happened to me while we were there, Um, and, but if there's anything that I took from it, it's that, you know, the whole time I was looking at all these people who, who were portrayed to have lost all hope, and, um, Something that I noticed while we were there was all the beautiful things about the city. And um, one of our, our leaders had said that when you look at the city, you just kind of see this big haze over it. 
like it's it's all depression all the time because everybody's so lost and there's so many bad things going on. But I would talk to a homeless man named Maurice and he would just say, you know, if I can just do one good thing in one day, if I can help one person, then I'm satisfied. That's my reward. If I can see someone who has lost everything say that, then that gives me personally hope and inspiration. And um, yeah, that's something that I really took from it is that you know, there are so many people who have lost everything, and yet they still have hope, and they still have the heart of Christ. Like Lorraine, for instance, she would say to us that she doesn't want to be like her sister. She wants to be like Christ. She wants to forgive, and she doesn't want to hold grudges after everything that's happened to her. And so, like, it just kind of wakened me and was like, you know, when little things happen to me, why, why would I dwell on it if all these huge things are happening to them, and they're still willing to forgive? So, that's basically what I took from it, and it was, it was amazing. We got to hang out with some pretty sweet kids and, um, you know, just kind of see the light of Christ um, shine in a city that, that's dark. Hey, you guys. Okay, so um, a few days before the mission trip, my friend Hannah gave me this verse that's um, Matthew six thirty four, and it's, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. And I'm like a huge warrior. It's just kind of what I do. Um, so I was walking into it. I was just like, what are you about to do, God? <laughs> and um, the first day that we got there afterwards, we were talking about everything that we saw. And um, we were all like expressing how everyone... Um, just seems like kind of sad and just tired and like they're ready to give up but then we had our pancake breakfast and our coffee house and after that like after talking to people you see that they have just these like glimmers of hope and that they think that somehow they're going to get out of this and I guess what it really showed to me was that if they're in like these heartbreaking situations and yet through God they have peace and he's taking care of them and they're living through it, that he's definitely alive and working in my life and keeping me safe and I have nothing to worry about. Hello, I'm John. And I'm going to say something um, I haven't, talked about Philly without crying yet, so you can expect some tears from me, but um, <laughs> uh, there you go. I actually went to high school in the suburbs of Philadelphia for my senior year, and when we got to Philadelphia, the leader that was there with us through the mission organization told us, um, kind of focus on not what you can see but pray and ask God to kind of tell you what it was that he wanted to reveal to you and things of that sort. So going in, I had a wide open mind, and I think it was on Tuesday, which was our first full day, um, I took some students and we went and um, handed out some flyers in the neighborhood for the VBS program. And um, as we were walking down the street, there's... Uh, drug dealer standing on the corner dealing some drugs and 
a couple of little kids running around their front porch with their parents on the porch, smoking pot. Um, so just immediately walking out onto the streets of this neighborhood, it was an eye-opener. I grew up, or I lived 20 minutes from here and didn't even realize what went on. Um, yeah, we all see it on TV. We all watch cops and, and see it all, but until you actually witness it with your own eyes, I didn't know what went on. I didn't believe it. Um, but as the week went on, I, uh, I did exactly what we were kind of talking about, and I closed my eyes and opened my mind and my heart to God and what it was that he wanted me to look at. Um, and the thing that kept coming, in, coming into my mind, um, we had a night where just the guys stayed at the Salvation Army, and we did some basketball with some, uh, I, I guess the guys were probably right around 20 or so. So we've got all these ninth and 10th grade boys with a huge group of 20-year-old guys from, from the hood. And uh, they were intimidated, you could tell by looking at them. But we had one student, I, have, I don't know if he's here tonight, but Dan, um, he came with us, and I think he's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, so the first student that got picked to play basketball was him. And it was because, obviously, he's tall. And it just went to show me that even though everything that goes on and, and everything like that, if they see something in you that they like, they'll accept you immediately. You don't have to ask for it. You don't have to do anything with it. And, I mean, that's kind of like Christ. I mean, he'll look at you, and he always sees something he likes in you, and he always accepts you no matter what. And um, as, as the week went on, we spent some time at a ministry called Cast Your Cares. And this is where the tears come. The family... family at Cast Your Cares, um, I think they've been doing it for somewhere between 10 or 15 years, and Jim Snyder is the guy who started it, and he moved his family from Florida to the inner city of Philadelphia. Um, he's got a 19-year-old boy, a 14-year-old boy, and an 8-year-old girl. The... Uh, the eight-year-old girl was born in, Phil in Philadelphia. She's lived there her whole life. And she acts just like my kids. I have an eight and a nine-year-old, both girls. And there was so much resemblance with her. And it was just amazing to see how one kid could grow up in the same place as everybody else around her who was so depressed and destroyed and on the wrong path, but because she has parents who know Jesus and love Jesus and spend their life giving to Jesus, she turns out just like somebody that I hope my kids can end up being like. Um, that was by far the biggest impact for me, is just to know that the people who are willing to spend a life for Christ and for God the, just the 
the things they get in return, whether it be a beautiful little eight-year-old girl who is perfect. I mean, I sat and talked to her for I don't even know how long, but it was just one of those conversations that I'll never forget. And uh, I had a lot more to say, but I think I'll finish on that. You guys can stand up and come forward to worship again. BBS, like you just saw with the dancing and stuff. Um, uh, but whenever we'd get done with the houses, um, uh, like a lot of people would have things for us. One, one family like decorated the in inside of their house to like celebrate um, us giving giving away their home and, and like dedicating their house. Another family gave us all cokes and. Um, and then uh, last year they gave us cake and Coke. And, and, and it's just weird because when we, when we receive something, it's so easy to just take it and just be fine with that. But these people, as soon as they receive something, they already wanted to give something back. And I don't know, that's just really cool to me because they understand it so much more than we do that, that it's about giving yourself away. When, when somebody gives you something, you give back to them, you show them that love. And, and another thing about that is that, is that the people would always thank God, all, like immediately. It wasn't like, wow, this is a really cool house, thanks guys, uh, all right, see you later. It was like, thank God for this, and we thank God for you, and we thank God for everything that he's given us. And, and these houses were smaller or the same size as a lot of you guys' rooms. And they immediately were just so joyous to have something, and they understand what it means to just get a little bit and be joyous with what God gave them. And so that, that continued to amaze me throughout the week. And, and honestly, the gratitude that I saw from everybody, they were just, all the kids were just so happy. Everybody was so um, excited to see us and excited to just get small things and just play and and we get so caught up, like uh, Jeremy was talking about, where we're like, oh, my text messenger, like, uh, blah, blah, blah. We get mad about the small things, but they learn to look at the small things and be so happy and joyous and thankful with it. And so that's something that was really cool. But um, another thing that, um, that was really cool to me is um, the guys who went on the trip. Um, and, and it really changed me to see how how different people grew throughout the trip because like a lot of the guys were new guys a lot of guys um had never been before they were um younger guys and stuff like that and something that i noticed because it's easy for guys to just be like i'm a man i'm gonna chop down a tree and build a house <laughs> um and and that was the the original tendency when everybody got there and for me honestly but it was cool because these people that, that the guys couldn't speak Spanish. It wasn't easy for them to reach out and, like, be a mom and play with the kids and stuff like that. But you saw them progress through the week and just, like, even when they were just like, hey, what's up, man? And then they'd, like, pick up the kid and throw him around, and I would make weird noises and things like that because I couldn't speak Spanish. Um, <laughs> but anyways, it, it was really cool because God, God was 
giving them this ability. God was giving them the the ability to be this loving person, and it was God's love. It wasn't something that they were like coming up with on their own. It was it was all from God, and they they took hold of what God was giving them so quick, and they didn't wait. They weren't scared. They were like, oh, they weren't awkward with the kids. They were just like, I'm here for a week, and I have the opportunity to just love on these people, and so they did, and, and that was really, really awesome um, to see these guys that are, that are more like the sports guys and would rather work on the houses, but when there wasn't anything to do, they'd go play soccer. And they'd go um, pick up the kids, throw them around, and just love on them. And, and it was really cool um, to me to see them grow th- throughout the week. Um, but um, something that, that the trip really instilled in me, I guess, is, um, is an urgency. Because it's so easy for me to just, just be like, oh, I'll talk to this person next week about, like, and I'll invite them later or when God presses something on you, it's easy to just be okay and, and, and be like worried that it's going to be awkward when you say something. But the trip really just, it over and over again, I was just like, I need to go home and I need to talk to these people. And it doesn't end here. It doesn't end in Guatemala. It doesn't end in Philly. It doesn't end on your, when you go to Atlanta and do trips like that, it, it's all the time. And we have an opportunity to do this all the time. That's awesome. And we don't need to wait because we don't know what tomorrow is going to be. And so when we can reach out and we can love on people and we can invite people and just share God with people, you can do that all the time. It's not about a place. It's just about the spirit of God. And um, like as as a just confirmation of that, because it's easy for me to come back and be like, oh, it's all going to be gone. I got this message from my friend Jesse and it said, live day to day. Tomorrow's not promised. God will take care of tomorrow if you just seek him today. And I was just like, well, go, go you. Um, because because that, that's so what I was feeling the whole week. And so, um, I don't know, that's what I got to say. <laughs> My name is Everett, and this was not my first year to Guatemala. I had been before on, like, trips with my family. My dad grew up there, and so, like, we'd always go back there and visit friends and everything. But this, okay, better. Um, this was my first mission trip there, and that is a whole lot different than any of my other trips I've ever taken before. Just because, I mean, being there for the kids and loving on them, I mean, I had to let myself not worry about myself, but just worry about the kids. And it was just amazing to see, like, the kids' love. And it, God is just so big in Guatemala. And it just makes me think about in America, it w- God was never that big. He, I never really, like, needed him in America. But in Guatemala, like the dependency there that the people have on him is just so great, and it just showed me just how big God was and how he is in everyone's life, and that's what I got from it. Hi, I'm Kim Godby, and this was my first mission trip anywhere, 
and first time out of the country, so I wasn't, I really didn't have any expectations. Um, I really didn't know what to expect, only what my kids had told me the past couple of years, and it was so far beyond anything they had ever told me. I was shocked. Um, you like, you can't even, now I understand, like you cannot describe even, I mean, the pictures do no justice. You can't imagine what it's like until you actually go there and experience it. Um, I was very concerned because I speak no Spanish, so I was concerned about the whole language barrier going, what can I really do? I can't really, more? Taylor's telling me. <laughs> um, so I wasn't really sure if I would even, you know, be of any real use. Okay, I can build. I can't really communicate with the people. But um, it was great. The people there, it's kind of like Wes said, the people, they, I mean, it was such a poverty-stricken area. And yet all the people there, you would never know that when you met them and you were with them. They didn't act like they were sad or, you know, they were all very joyful, very gracious and and grateful for everything we did and the time we spent with them. And uh, the biggest thing to me, I guess, was um, just God really spoke to me with the fact that we were able to give so selfless, selflessly down there. Like, there were no distractions. There was nothing to, to keep us from just working with the people and serving them and loving on them there and all. But I felt like God really put on my heart that, it's not like a one-time, once a year, you go serve and, oh, yeah, I went to Guatemala on a mission trip and I'm done, but that we need to do that here at home as well. That, uh, I mean, there's people in your schools, there's people here at the church, just in our community that don't know God and that are poor, not just, you know, poverty level necessarily, but are poor not knowing God and Jesus Christ. And so God just really spoke to me that it's not like a one-time thing. It's like we need to work at it daily. Kind of like Wes said, like it's today. Like we can't do it every once in a while, and we feel like we really need to um, push ourselves to do what we can every day here. Hey, guys. All right. Um, so this was my first mission trip and my first time out of the country. And I didn't know what to expect, and I tried not to um, imagine anything or expect anything. I'd heard stories, but um, I tried to let God make it what he wanted, um, let it be genuine. And that's what he, sh he showed me, that he provided a genuine trip, glorifying himself, full of service. Um, at first, it was kind of awkward. Um, I, I don't speak Spanish, or very little from what I learned, but... Um, and in, a, in the States, we don't usually walk up to a random kid and give them candy. That's just not <laughs> what you do in the States. Um, but it was a cool opportunity because that's how, that's how we could communicate with them. That's how we could love on them. And um, that, that, was a, that was a great way to serve Jesus through them. Um, another thing God showed me, he gave me strength um, through the week. Um, we, we did a lot of hard work. We did a lot of walking. We did a lot of building and carrying bricks, but I didn't really feel weary during the week. I felt it afterwards, but I realized that through the whole week, it was completely God's strength that I was relying on and he was providing. And I, and I honestly couldn't pinpoint that it was God until afterwards, but um, that, was, that was pretty major. And then um, 
One more thing he showed me was unity in our group. We have such a diverse group. Um, I actually didn't know a lot of the people in our group before we went. Um, Different schools and, in fact, different strengths. Um, But together, put together, we were, it was an incredible body of Christ um, that worked together, did different things. We each had our, our gifts, and it was incredible to see each and every person use that to serve and glorify God. And um, they actually, they became my family. And um, it was an honor to serve with them, and it was an honor to serve God. And I think God was glorified through our trip to Guatemala. So. Hey, guys. Uh, <laughs> I think um, one of the things, like, I got most out of the trip was, um, like, I kind of went in there with, like, I was, try- I was praying that I wouldn't have expectations and, like, I didn't want to, because everyone was saying about how, like, expectations are bad, and then, like, I was like, yeah, I mean, they are, and that, uh, but I think what I really, I was just praying the whole week that, like, I would just be able to trust God, but I felt like the first few days, I, I mean, I was trying, but I just really couldn't give it all up to God, and I was like, I was praying, but, like, I just, it just wasn't happening, but I felt like by the end of the week, after, like, I felt like, um, I had, God just really wanted me to, like, like, endure, like, just things, and, like, um, I know that, like, I was journaling one night, and then, uh, I just put, like, enduring at the end of it, and then I I was just, like, I woke up in the morning, I turned to, like, seven pages of the Bible, and two of the verses are about enduring, and it was just, like, um, I just know that, like, um, when I was just trusting God, and he's, like, putting him first, and just really giving it up to him, that he would lead me, like, show me the way, and that as hard as it is for, like, us as humans to be, like, I want to put myself first and just not trust God in, like, our decisions that I just was really, like, trying hard to do that. And I know that um, something that, like, I know we really take um, things for granted in our school, especially our school. Everyone, like, you're like, oh, I have another day of school, and we're all looking forward to summer and summer being over. And I know that um, school is one of our, probably one of our least favorite things. I know I really don't like to do it, but I remember um, me and Jeffrey were just talking to some people, and they were just saying how we're so unfortunate to, like, I mean, we're so fortunate to be able to just w- get up every day and just be able to go to school, and I know out there, I think it was 30% of the people can't afford private school, and I hear the public schools aren't very good, and it's about 20k solace, which is equivalent to, uh, I think, $3 out here, and I know that, um, like, I, I had, I have, um, step family from Guatemala, they live in California, and I know they, uh, they um they li- they actually live in that area. My mom told me right before I went. I was like like they live in that same area we went. I'm not exactly sure where, but I just remember like thinking of that and like they've been in America for a couple years now. But like they were living there that whole time, and it's just kind of like I think what I've just more gotten out of this week is just um, trusting God and just not having worry and just not taking life for granted. I'm so used to doing that now because, like, what? (laughs) Sorry. Um, But, yeah, like, when you walk by in the streets, you, like, say hola to everybody. Like, even if you don't know them, it's like, hola. What's up? (laughs) Um, But just, (laughs) I don't even know what to say. I mean, Guatemala was just 
awesome. Like, I loved every second of it. Why is everyone laughing? Oh, okay, sorry. Anyways. <laughs> um. <laughs> but um, anyways, so God definitely did a lot over Guatemala. Um, he revealed different things to everybody and the same things to everybody, as I've noticed. Even though we were in two separate, like, different locations in, in Philly and in Guatemala, we, I've noticed, like, a, a central theme, and that's just, like, how blessed we are in America. I mean, we totally don't even realize it. I mean, I mean I'm so guilty of this myself. Just, like, just going shopping for new clothes, and just like, oh, I got a new top. It's awesome. And it's probably not the same in Guatemala or in Philly, even though we're in, it's in the same country. So um, God revealed and showed himself in many different ways. And um, I wrote something down. And um, I'm just going to read it to you guys because I think it pretty much sums up what I got out of it. The trip definitely had me more in tune to God. I was surrounded by people who loved Jesus and felt, and I felt this awesome sense of unity. God also helped me with my issues and the baggage that I came to Guatemala with. And me and God definitely got closer over this trip. And though all the bad stuff I was going through, I had... I was sick, and I had allergies, and I had an unfortunate accident. <laughs> Some of you know. I still smiled and gave God everything I had. <coughs> Sorry. Okay, he taught me how to show love even through the language and cultural barriers. God gave me love to share. God also showed me a different point of view. There, they had houses the size of my bedroom, no air conditioning, no purified water, and yet they were happy. They had smiles on their faces when you walked by them on the dirt streets, and they said hola to you when you walked by, no matter if you were a stranger, a foreign person in their land, or their closest friend. In America, we have bedrooms bigger than their houses. We have air conditioning and heating units. We have purified water everywhere we turn. We have stuff we don't necessarily need, and yet we are not always happy. Not everyone has a smile on their faces. You walk by them on, their paved, on our paved roads. We ignore others or say or do mean things to them because they are a foreigner in our land. We complain when something little in our lives does not turn out right, and yet others are worse off, and yet they are happy. People might say that it's their naivety that makes them happy. But if you really notice, sometimes the simple things in life are better. Less is sometimes more. And less equals more time with God, your Heavenly Father, observing the simplest and most beautiful things in life that he has given to us. And that pretty much sums up. All groups, uh, let, me, let me read you this out of Philippians chapter 2, okay? And now, now before I read this, 
Here's what I want you to understand. <clears throat> what I'm about to read to you, what I'm about to read to you was written by the Apostle Paul from prison. Okay? And, and like, it was real prison. It wasn't like prison today where, you know, there's cable and you can get your PhD and there's a weight room. I mean, this was back, back in the days when prison was really bad. Okay? Um, you need to understand this is very important because here's why. Paul is in prison. He's stuck in prison. He's stuck in chains, literally in a dungeon. And, um, and he's writing to a church. He's writing to Christians to make sure that they're still worshiping Jesus, to make sure that they're still growing in their faith. That's what he's concerned about. Okay, now, now this is the part where I realize how wicked my heart is. Because here's what happens to me. If I get on I-85 tonight on my way back home and I get behind an old lady in the fast lane going 40, inside of me what rises up is this emotion that goes, God, why do you hate me? Why have you forsaken, right? And, and we laugh, but like seriously, it's not far from that. It's like the whole world's against me. I get angry. I get upset. I feel frustrated because how bad is my life? This lady's going 40. Um, Paul's in prison, but he's rejoicing. He's in prison. He's not blaming God. He's not going, God, my circumstances are bad, so you must be bad. He's going, my circumstances are bad, I'm suffering, but Jesus is so good. I want to make sure these people are still worshiping. Now listen to what he writes, okay, knowing that. Listen to what he writes. And this is for all of us, kind of piggybacking on everything you've just heard, okay. If you, he's writing to Christians, so if anybody in here is a follower of Jesus, if you, if you, okay, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. So what he's saying is, if you love Jesus at all, if Jesus has changed your life at all, if, if, if he is sweet to your soul, if you enjoy Jesus, if you love Jesus, if he's really come into your life, if any of that's happened, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, he says this, listen. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Okay, so, um, so this lie that, that, that we hear in our culture that says, you look out for number one. Your mission in life, look out for number one. Look out for yourself. Because if you don't do that, if, you don't, if you're not into self-preservation, if you're not into building your own little kingdom where you're safe and you're happy and you're, you're well taken care of because you're providing for your own needs, and if you're not into building this little kingdom around you, then you're stupid because you're not looking out for number one, that, that weird, crazy idea that we hear in our culture. He's saying, don't do that. If you're a Christian, don't be about that. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. And then listen, each of you, each of you, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then here's where it gets, this, this blows my mind. Your attitude, everybody say attitude. attitude. One more time say attitude. attitude. One more time say attitude. attitude. I'm very familiar with attitude because I have a four-year-old girl. No attitude, okay? 
your attitude, okay, the way you act, the way that you respond, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now listen, he, he, he unfolds this. For, what does that look like for my attitude to be the same as that of Christ Jesus? Here's what he says. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Everybody say, to death. Say, to death. One more time, to death. Even death on a cross. And why do I scream? Because that's an exclamation point right there. Even death on a cross. I like those verses. So, here's here's what Paul just said. Listen. If you're a Christian, if you love Jesus, if you worship Jesus, if you're into Jesus, if Jesus is, is sweet to you, if you love him, if he's good, then here's how you need to act. Not out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, not out of self-preservation, not out of looking out for number one. Your whole life, and your whole life, the way that you live, the way that you act, you should have the attitude, the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Who here, Here's what we know about Jesus. He humbled himself. He, he, he was God. We know that Jesus is God. We know that Jesus is God, and yet Jesus didn't consider equality with God's son to be grasped. So here's what this means. In the Gospels, here's what we're reading about Jesus. That Jesus um, said to the people, there was one guy, one, one day some guy ran up to him, and he said, Jesus, I'll, I'll go with you anywhere. Wherever you're going, Jesus, I'll go. And Jesus looked at that man, and here's what he said. He said, uh, um, here's the deal. Um, foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Tonight, when I leave here, I'm going to my house, and I'm probably going to, you know, chill out for a little bit on my couch. And then at some point during the night, I'm going to go upstairs, and I got um, a bed with a pillow-top mattress. And it's the best thing I've ever bought in my life. I like it a lot. Here, here's the thing. I'm going to sleep on that tonight. Um, here's what Jesus just said. Um, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. I got no place to lay my head. Jesus was homeless if anybody deserved a pillow-top mattress ever, it's Jesus. Didn't have one. Where'd he sleep? Oh, there's a rock. Looks comfy. He slept outside. Okay. He was God. Didn't consider equality with God's son to be grass. Here's what we know about Jesus. John chapter 13 says there's an instance where Jesus, um, knowing that um, pretty soon he's going to die on a cross, he's got all his disciples sitting around, he ends up uh, going to them and kneeling down and taking off his little outer garment and begins to wash their nasty first century Middle Eastern feet um, with his hand. Begins to wash them. Jesus begins, Jesus does a task that is only fit for the lowest of slaves. If anybody deserved a pedicure, it's Jesus. Right? If anybody deserved to be pampered, it's the King of Kings, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He didn't consider equality with God's Son to be grasped. He humbled himself. Here's what we know about Jesus. He was betrayed by one of the members of his own entourage. He was delivered into the hands of the the government. He was beaten. He was cussed at. He was spit on. He was mocked over and over again. He was beaten to the point where he was actually disfigured. He was nailed upon a cross. And at any moment, at any moment, he could have said a word and melted their faces. At any moment, he could have stopped it all, but he didn't. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Here's what I want you to see. Listen. The Son of God was humiliated. Why? For our good. 
for our good. The reason that Jesus Christ went through that is so that those of us who place our faith in Jesus, those of us who believe would be saved. He was humiliated for our good. Here's a question, students. Listen. Here's a question. Uh, when's the last time you were humiliated for someone else's good? That's the point. That's what Paul's saying. Stop looking after yourself. Consider others better than yourself. Love them. Serve them. Just like Jesus. That's the attitude of Jesus. To be willing to be humiliated for the good of someone else. When's the last time you took an entire day to you know what? Um, I know it's Saturday, but I'm deciding um, on this Saturday, I- I'm deciding not just to hang out with my friends and not just to get on my Facebook and stalk people who actually have lives and not watch a bunch of reruns of SpongeBob, but I'm deciding on my Saturday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, um, I- to willi- I want to willfully be humiliated for someone else's good. Listen, I want to serve someone else who can't give me anything in return. Why? Because that's Jesus. Because that's Jesus. Okay? So, so here's the point. We didn't want this just to be a night where Guatemala people went up, got up here and man, God was good in Guatemala, praise the Lord, or Philly people went up and, man, you know, God was good in Philly, praise the Lord. The God of Philly and the God of Guatemala is the God of Gwinnett County and the God who desi- desires for people to serve in Philadelphia and to serve in Guatemala is the same God who desires for people to serve just like Jesus in Gwinnett County. Same God. Same God. Philippians chapter 2 is for us today, right now. Okay? So, on April 24th, there is an opportunity for every single one of you to get involved. We as a ministry said, how can we be a ministry that actually is in the business of plugging students into opportunities to be Jesus to other people? We want to help them out because maybe a lot of them don't even know where to start. Maybe a lot of them want to serve but don't know where to start. Start on April 24th. April 24th, we have something called Take This City, an opportunity to serve um, you can find out more. We have a table outside. Um, when you leave small groups, you're going to see the table. It's going to have balloons, all that stuff. Every time somebody signs up to serve at Take This City, you're going to hear, hear bells going off. And the reason, um, the reason we do that, the reason we're going to ring those bells is because the Bible says that every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. I'm playing. It doesn't say that. Um, the reason... The reason that we're going to ring those bells is because we're going to celebrate the fact that people are actually saying, I want to be humiliated for the sake of someone else. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do, students, teenagers, high school students. um, Please, please don't do what many of you normally do, which is sign up for something and then never intend on coming and don't show up. Don't do that. Don't do that, please. We don't want to ring bells for nothing. We want to ring bells for people who actually say, I want to serve. April 24th, I want to serve. Be the hands, the feet of Jesus to serve, to be humiliated for the good of someone else. Let me pray. We're going to get out to small groups. If you're brand new here, we're going to buy you a Starbucks tonight. So just come see me whenever we pray and everybody else goes to small groups. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for all the grace that you've shown us on these trips. Lord, we could stand up here all night thanking you for how good you've been. Thanking you for safety thanking you that you've provided for us, thanking you that while really, really tragic things could have happened to us in Philadelphia or in Guatemala and you would have still been God, those things didn't happen. And by your grace, we are here right now and we are safe. And Lord, to the same vein, there are people who stayed here last week and really bad things, tragic things could have happened to them. But thank you that by your grace, we're here right now. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, that 
Many of us, most of us, probably all of us have a house to go to tonight with a mattress and with a room and with food. And we have so many blessings, Lord, and there's so many on this earth who don't have those things and yet still, yet still worship you, still adore you, still follow you, still have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Lord, even more so than us a lot of times. So we repent. Pray that we would repent of sin when we're selfish. Where we're selfish, would we repent of our selfishness? Where we're arrogant, would we repent of our arrogance? Where we're prideful, would we repent of our pride? Would we simply be people who desire to serve you, Jesus, as you have served, to humiliate ourselves for the, for the good of others in the same way, Jesus, that you have humiliated yourself on the cross, naked, bleeding, beaten beyond recognition. You humiliated yourself for the sake of us. And then, Lord, you rose from the grave. You were exalted. You are high and exalted. We worship you, Lord. We thank you. I pray that every student in here and every adult in here would serious, seriously consider whether or not you might be leading them to serve at Take This City on April 24th. Bless our time right now in small groups. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Sweet. You guys get out of here if you're brand